What's up? And welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nocere from aclearmind.com. All right, and welcome to episode number 27. As always, thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. I guess if you were continuing to listen, that you may have enjoyed at least part of it, if not all of it. So I appreciate you listening to a little bit more, and I really ask that you rate and review the podcast and share it to others so that their parenting can be even greater than it is today. So I hope uh, everybody's learning a little bit about something with the interviews with the athletes and the, the ones that were are just with me, which this one is as well. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to let you know what's coming up. And I have a little competition as well. So I have a guest on the next episode that's coming out. And it is my first parent interview. And I want you to try and guess who the guest is going to be. So your clue, and I'd like for you and appreciate for you to do this without doing any kind of web search if possible. But the clue is it is the parent, and I'll even narrow it down, but it is the mother of a member of the Chicago Bulls team uh, or teams from the 1990s. I'm not going to pinpoint which year, but this player was on the Bulls in the early and mid-90s, and I had the pleasure of interviewing his mother and am going to release that episode after this one. And the winner is going to receive a free copy of my previous guest's book. My previous guest was Alistair McCaw, who is a performance coach and works with a lot of athletes and teams. And he wrote a fantastic book called Champion-Minded, Achieving Excellence in Sports and Life. So that's the book that you will receive if you guess my next guest, again, who is the mother of a member of the Chicago Bulls from the 1990s. And you don't have to say her name, but just let me know the player and I will put you in the drawing because if a lot of people get it or several people guess it, I'm going to enter the name randomly and draw their name out of a hat and send you the free copy of Champion Minded, Achieving Excellence in Sports and Life by Alistair McCaw, who was the last guest on this podcast. So all you have to do is email me, gabe at aclearmind.com, or you could use hashtag on Twitter, and you can at me. My handle is at GNSthoughts. Uh, it's basically at GN's thoughts, Gabe Nocer's thoughts, at GN's thoughts on Twitter, and you can use the hashtag CFPOA28. And I'm going to put post this on Twitter as well, so you can just maybe find that on my Twitter page and hit reply. So either email me or hit me up on Twitter to join in and guest 
guess the guest of the next episode, which will be episode number 28. So uh, hashtag CFPOA, it's Clarity for Parents of Athletes, 28. So on to this episode, and I want to talk about the fact that my family and I have been skiing quite a bit lately. And in my young childhood, you know, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and am the product of parents who are from very tropical places. My dad was originally from Egypt, who emigrated to Brazil, and my mom is from Brazil. So I didn't grow up with the exposure to skiing or snowboarding like a lot of my friends here in Albuquerque did. And I think my first time skiing was when I moved to Albuquerque, and I was maybe a sophomore in high school, and I skied one more time when I was in college and basically coached soccer and worked the rest of my 20s and 30s. So basically, when I had time to ski, I didn't have money. And when I finally had money, I didn't have time or really I didn't prioritize skiing in my life. Now, when you have kids, you somehow have no time to do anything, but somehow you still manage to do more things even when you get to that point of having no time to do anything else. You somehow find more time. You know, I have to be conscious of the fact that sometimes I internally mock my friends who don't have children who say, oh, I'm so busy. And in my mind, there's I'm so busy from the perspective of people with no children. And then there's the I'm so busy from the perspective of people with children. You know, people with children find any gap in time to squeeze in more activity. And being alone sometimes means you have to lock yourself in the bathroom, but even then you're not really alone. Like my son loves to stick his fingers under the door in the bathroom just to remind me that I'm never really alone. And I'll spare you all the details of our conversations we have while I'm in the bathroom and he's on the other side of the door promising that he'll go away if I just hurry up. Anyway, on one Christmas day before our son was born and on a day when we could have just relaxed and decided to we decided to take our daughter up to the beautiful Sandia Mountains here in Albuquerque and learn to snowboard. Now, I'm not sure if anyone listening remembers their first day of snowboarding, but I always heard stories of how horrible it is and how you spend most of the day falling. And I always imagine those stories may be a little bit exaggerated, but they're totally not exaggerated at all. Like for me, like getting off the chairlift was probably the hardest thing to do. Like you have one foot strapped in and one foot dangling off your board. And when the chair comes to a spot, you're expected to get off the chair, get your loose foot on the board and balance as you head down the little ramp, all the while avoiding that whip of the chair it gives you before it swings around. So needless to say, I fell quite a few times getting off the lift. And going down the mountain was actually not too bad for me. And as that day went on, you know, this was a few years ago, but as that day went on, I gained more confidence and maybe a little too much confidence. I started visualizing what it's like to be an Olympic snowboarder and decided to try carving on my toes. And am now my only ever time carving on a snowboard, I dug the toe side of my board into the snow and I almost like flipped back immediately. And it was like I was yanked backward by the mountain and landed directly on my tailbone. And man, it hurt. I looked up at the sky while I was on my back and on the ground and this young man sitting on the chair said, man, that was a good one. I said, yeah, that guy. Thank you. Yes, it was. Really good fall. <laughs> it was so good. In fact, that I spent the next three years sitting on a cushion shaped like a, 
a donut. So needless to say, I stayed off the mountain for years. Now, fast forward a bit in my life, and my wife and I welcomed our son into this world, and we want to have him experience different physical and mental activities. So after he turned five, we said, let's get him some ski lessons. And he ended up doing three days of ski school last year. And while he was at school, my wife and I hit the trails, this time on skis, no more snowboard. And in fact, I had a little bit of PTSD skiing by that spot where I crushed my tailbone and that guy made fun of me. But by the end of the third day of going up there, I was feeling pretty good gliding down the mountain, feeling like an Olympian. You know, granted, I was on the green trails, but that's still how I felt. You know, I was finally in a groove, but it was also the last day of the season. So I had to wait until the following year, which is this year. And I spent my off season visualizing and, and imagining coming down the mountain again, which, side note, visualizing is a huge part of, of manifesting what you want in life. So finally, it it came time to sign up my son again and hit the slopes for this season. And, you know, my mind works in mysterious ways. And I often see an unordinary, or I believe it's an unordinary, amount of depth in the experiences that I have. So skiing this past few weeks, I started to see a lot of parallels to what I was going through on the mountain and how I coach my clients and sayings that I that I say in my workshop and themes in the philosophy that I follow. Since it's the beginning of the new year, many people have these resolutions they want to follow, right? The gyms are packed full of people all of a sudden who are motivated, diets change, and there tends to be a focus on having a more positive mindset. There's a lot of different things. We essentially want to create different things in our lives, whether it's a change of our body, relationship, status, finance, or whatever whatever it is, whatever people want to create. I like to call this manifesting. And I'll take you through a brief idea of how to manifest in your life and also to talk about the parallels of my family ski experience and tie it all together for you. Now, the first thing I said a little while ago, if you may remember, is visualization. And creating an idea of what you want in your life and very, very specific. But the biggest thing is to focus on the feeling that you want to have as if everything that you want is already there for you. It's already in your life. To focus more on that feeling and to carry that as much as possible. So, you know, I want to start with another important principle in manifestation, which is keeping your vibe high. And what I mean by that is essentially carrying yourself in a positive way. You know, that feeling that you get when you slow down and you're grateful for what you have and who you have in your life and you get that warm, fuzzy feeling inside of you. Now, that's a high vibe. And obviously, the opposite of a low is a low vibe. And that glum feeling that you get when you're disappointed, angry, sad, any other kind of negative feeling that comes along, right? So now in my work, I'm not the kind of coach that says, oh, just focus on positive thoughts. You know, if it was that easy, everyone would do it and there'd be no need for me to be a coach. Now, what I focus on mostly is to be aware of the quote unquote negative thoughts and to simply be aware of them. When my clients tell me about those thoughts they become aware of, we slow down And we work through them with a focus on releasing them through consciousness or awareness. And the more we shed these negative programs that we've received in our lives, the more we naturally flow with positivity, which results in a high vibe. 
Now, I imagine most of you listening have children, and you know that parenting is a tough, tough job, and keeping your vibe high at all times is probably impossible. Children are always pushing boundaries to see what's okay and what's not okay, and it results in fights and arguments and crying from basically from birth through adolescence and sometimes even past adolescence. You know, children consciously and unconsciously push parents to see how far they can test them, whether it's about chores, bedtime, screen time, and of course, <laughs> the, one of the more dreaded things I think for me at least as a parent is getting ready for school in the morning or in my case, ski school as well. So we go to ski school on a weekend and we wake up early for a weekend around 6.15, but that's ironically is the same time we get up for school. And now my son doesn't like to sleep in. You know, if we go to, if we get to sleep until 7 a.m., it's considered like miraculous. So of course, during winter break, when he was off school, this was no different. And we want to sleep in and he wants to get up literally at the crack of dawn. Now you think, man, since he's been waking up early during winter break, that waking up at 6.15 to go to ski school should be no problem. But of course, it's a problem, right? That's the one day he wants to sleep in. So getting out of the house with a six-year-old who's complaining that he didn't get enough sleep, of course, becomes a good test for someone who's trying to maintain his positive vibe that he has. I'm talking about me, of course, right? Any parents who try... (laughs) who get their children ready for school in the morning know what I'm talking about, right? It's as if children, at least my son, finds the slowest way possible to get dressed and brush teeth and do everything else you need to do before you go out the door. You know, I've found that it's best to remain calm, but firm and validate. Yes, I hear you that you feel you didn't get enough sleep last night, which in my head, I'm like, dude, you slept over 10 hours. How can you say you didn't get enough sleep last night? But of course, I don't do that. That's not going to go very well. So of course, I, I, I'm my patient self and I keep that to myself and I say, I know you feel tired and that you feel you didn't get enough sleep last night, but we have to get out of the house by seven o'clock so we can make it on time to ski school. You're welcome to sleep in as long as you want tomorrow. And of course, I know full well that's not going to happen, but still, just that validating tends to smooth things over. So, you know, it works. And finally, we make it out the door just a few minutes behind schedule, but we make it to Santa Fe, uh, which is where we went skiing. It's about an hour away from us. And the drive up the mountain, once you get to Santa Fe, is about another half hour to the ski area. So we park and we're now faced with the next task of getting ski clothes and equipment on. So that's actually not too bad. It's just time consuming, right? You get ski socks on, ski bibs, sweater, jacket, gloves, boots, helmet, goggles on our son. And then we have to get dressed. And of course, without any surprise, right when we finish, my son says, I have to go to the bathroom. So, you know, this is another great opportunity to be conscious of my vibe you know, I could easily ask him, why didn't you tell me before we got dressed in all your ski clothes? But I already know the answer. And like, I don't have to go there at all. Right. And because he's just going to say, well, I didn't have to go then. And of course, he's right. Of course, he didn't. Now, what I found that is hypocritical and misleading programming that we give our children 
when potty training at least, because we do give them some hypocritical programming at other times, but I'll talk about potty training, is that we tell them to let us know right away if they have to go to the bathroom and then go right away. But when they're potty trained and they tell us that they have to go, what do we do? We tell them like, well, you're just going to have to hold it, which is the exact opposite of what we tell them, right? So then an argument that my son would be 100% correct in his defense would happen. It's like, but you told me to go right away, daddy, and I can't hold it. I really need to go. So, you know, luckily in this situation, my son is a boy and I decide to take off only the layers necessary to let him pee right by the car. But I know in this situation, if I had a girl, maybe a little bit different, my vibe might have been challenged a little bit more or, or maybe not. I might just remove some more layers and have her pee by the car as well. But I'm grateful in this case that my son can more easily pee in public than if he was a girl. You know, sometimes I carry that appreciation myself when I'm at a music festival or like a sporting event and inside the porta potty, like feeling badly for the women who have to either sit down or hover to use the bathroom inside one of those things. Anyway, so very, very grateful that I don't have to experience that. Anyway, back to maintaining my positive vibe. So I've worked really hard with my coach on being more aware of when my vibe is low and and to know that I'm 100% responsible for keeping it high because it's all based on thought. That's what our experience is. All of our emotions come from thoughts. So many times it's easy to raise my vibe or frequency by being grateful for what is actually going on in my life and not dwelling on what is not going on and being grateful for what I have in my life and not dwelling on what I don't have in my life. Now, in order to manifest, it is critically important to appreciate where we are in our lives and what we have, all the while knowing that we can still want more. But oftentimes, people want more without being grateful for what their current situation is. And for me, this goes with skiing too. So I'm at a point now that I appreciate where I am with my skiing abilities. And I consider myself a a really good skier on the the greens or the beginner trails. And the blues or or intermediates are a little bit more challenging to me, mostly because of fear of going too fast and that I'm not 100% comfortable with stopping at a really fast rate. And that I also feel much more comfortable knowing a trail will flatten out and won't be as steep and I'll have I'll be able to naturally slow down. You know, when I'm on a new trail that's new to me, I really really hold back, you know. But I mean, what a metaphor to life skiing is. Like in order to be successful at life or skiing, you have to really let go of your fear. You know, it makes me this like skiing really makes me appreciate how talented and brave Olympic skiers and snowboarders are. That they have to be so fearless in order to compete at the highest levels. And even after they suffer horrific injuries, they have to get over that fear. Now, of course, many, if not all Olympic skiers grew up skiing, but I, of course, did not. Plus, I'm in my 40s with children and a recreational indoor soccer career to think about. So I tend to hold back a little bit. I found myself going slowly on the blue trails on our last ski trip and trying to go more and more each time with a little bit more trust in my ability to stop when I needed to. And I also found myself trying to ignore my thoughts 
about being judged by the onlookers on the chairlift above me. And I, so I kept telling myself to focus and be present on what's going on right now and what I'm doing and that the opinions of the people on the chairlift do not lead to my happiness and other feelings that it's great that a nine-year-old just zipped by me with no fear and a hundred times more ability than me, but everyone is at their own pace and that is awesome. You know, that's the coaching, <laughs> my self-coaching that I gave myself. So the other, like I could have totally gone the other way and taken my mind to being unhappy with what my abilities were and that I wasn't good enough compared to other people on the mountains, especially the little nine-year-olds. And I luckily didn't go there. Like everyone really is at their own pace, including me. And that's perfectly okay. And it's important to appreciate where everyone is you know, especially myself, and to also want to be better. That's the sweet spot of the vibe I try and create for myself when I want to manifest and for my clients as well. We're all having our own experience and that's awesome. But gratitude of where we are today is so crucial to leading a happy life and flourishing at whatever we choose to do. You know, understanding that we're all having our own experiences about big key to keeping your vibe high. And that's easy to lose sight of that, especially when we compare ourselves to others or we feel like we're responsible for someone else's experience. You know, it's easy to compare your <laughs> oneself when you're watching skiers that are better than you from the chairlift or that nine-year-old that zips by you like you're not even there. Or what's really interesting to me is and I don't know if anyone else, any of you out there have experienced this, is when I ski down the mountain and watching someone else fall down, I tend to lose just a little bit of balance, which is simply due to the fact that I'm more focused on what someone else is doing and not fully in the moment of my experience. So it's almost like their experience of falling down has leading to somewhat of a, an experience reaction within me only because I'm not being present. When we're present, we understand that we are responsible for our own experience. So now, when we went down on our last trip and finished answering my son's, are we there yet? Questions and, and got him dressed and slightly undressed to use the restroom by the car and dressed again. We dropped him off at ski school and my wife and I hit the mountain ourselves and uh, we did the first warm-up run on the like easiest trail and lift. And on our second one, we went up one of the longer lifts. And when we got up to the top, we both got off the chair. I went down the little hill and turned to stop and get my hands through the straps on my poles. And I heard a thump. And then I heard the chairlift guy said, are you all right? And I, my beautiful wife and amazing wife, who's also a transformative coach, was lying there on her back. And I, of course, went to the place of, oh my God, did I do that? Because she's always accusing me of getting off the lift the wrong way. And this time I swear I got off just as she tells me to, but you know, there's always that doubt like, oh my God, did I do that? So I went over there to help her stand up with the chairlift guy. And he luckily let me off the hook and said to my wife that she got off too early and needed to wait for the sign that says unload here because the lift we were on has really lightweight chairs that whip around when they turn to go back down the mountain. So needless to say, I was pretty relieved and even did a little mental celebration dance 
<laughs> that I wasn't responsible for her fall, but her fall was just the beginning of that experience. So my wife stood up, strapped on her poles, but she was not in the best mood at all. <laughs> so, so we were over looking at the map of the trails and I was asking which one she wanted to go down. And she answered me as if I was lecturing our daughter, like when she was in her early teens, so like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so now to any husbands or boyfriends listening to this, there often comes a time in a relationship when you have to make choices and how to respond to your partner. And to me, there is either a way where you're going to make things worse or a way that you're going to leave things the same at that moment. I have yet to find a way to respond that makes things better. And you can always tell that by the look in your partner's eyes. I made the ultimate mistake when my wife was in labor with our son and delivered him completely natural, naturally. And, and there was a moment where she was in some pain. And for some reason, I told her, just relax. Now, I've never seen anyone who's possessed by a demon, but I swear for just that moment, the look I received from my wife was from another dimension. It's something that stuck with me <laughs> for a long, long time, and I can still picture it in my mind. So, you know, back we go to the mountain, my wife and I are at the map, and she's answering me, not quite as if. I told her to relax while she's in labor, but somewhere in between that and as if I was asking our teenage daughter to take some responsibility for what she did and finally she just caved in and gave me the answer I was looking for after an hour of arguing, you know, that that response. So there, in this situation, there are two ways I could go. One was to believe that my experience and happiness was dependent on her being happy because I was really like stoked, ready to go down the trail and in a good mood and high vibe. So I could have either told her or asked her to get over her experience and be in the moment and that her fall was not happening anymore, right? These are like my typical coaching things that I do and, you know, with, with other people, but obviously with your wife, who's also a coach, <laughs> she can kind of see through that sometimes. So the other method I could have done was to be even less sympathetic and said something like, let's try and make this a good day. Okay. Sometimes you're going to fall and let's just go to it. And like, you know, luckily for me, that stare that I have etched in my memory of my beautiful wife, who's probably listening to this and should know she's so beautiful, but <laughs> that look that I have in my memory of her sitting there in our house in labor and that look that she gave me when I told her to just relax helped me respond much more beneficially for us in this situation. You know, I remembered that her experience of falling off the lift did not affect mine. Her mood did not affect mine or didn't have to as long as I was being present and to let her have her experience and to just keep my vibe high. So I validated her. I decided to just validate and asked if she was okay and she said that was a really hard fall and I validated a little more and I said that I told her that it looked like it was really hard and I was sorry for that. So she reluctantly said thanks and that's all it took. So we just 
went down the mountain at her own paces. And after another run, she was back to her old, usually jolly self. So here's the awesome part. So we took break for lunch and she thanked me for letting her have her own experience and that if I would have tried to make her feel better or tell her to feel better, she would have just met that with more frustration and not being allowed to have the emotional response that she had after she fell when getting off the chairlift. So essentially, it was I was validating her just by letting her feel and not trying to make her feel better or to try and change her feelings. You know, I imagine if I would have been frustrated at her response and let it be a part of my experience, I definitely would have carried that frustration unnecessarily and spent part of my day in a cloud of contaminated thinking. There are billions of people in this world and every one of us is having our own experience. The more we believe that what someone else does or says should have an effect on us, the more that we live life from the outside in. What I mean by that is that we falsely believe that other people and things and experiences directly lead to our feelings when in reality it's our thinking that only exists within us, right? Our thinking, our thoughts about those things is what creates our experience and our thinking can change over time. If those people and things directly led to our feelings, then we all have the same experience, Everyone would feel the same about Obama as they do about Trump, and everyone would feel the same about Trump as they do about Obama. That's like the most political I'll ever get is to just state that basically everybody is neutral and it's our thoughts and our programming that create our reality. So now we all have varying levels of thoughts based on our programming that we receive from our family and social networks and experiences throughout our life. And it's essentially up to us to realize that everyone can have their experience and to do our best to keep our vibe high by not letting their feelings have an effect on ours. Essentially, if we're present, that won't happen. But that, of course, takes awareness and practice just like anything in life. But it's a big part of manifesting what you want in life. People who focus on the feeling of what they lack in life, which comes along with like jealousy and different feelings like insecurity, anger, frustration, and overall lack that they will keep attracting that into their lives. So you may know someone from your past or even your present that says, bad things always happen to me or asks, why do bad things always happen to me? Well, it's essentially because that person believes believes that and is attracting more of that into their life. You know, again, the sweet spot is to appreciate where you are in life today, what you have, and still know you want to attract more. You vibe high, you attract more. You live life with the idea that there's abundance in your life and not lack, and that all you need to do is to be open to receiving it and not focus what you lack in life, then you'll naturally attract what you want and the universe will do its job. It'll get you what you want when you need it. It'll go to work for you. I know it sounds crazy, but it'll happen. You start to see little things unfolding. If you just visualize what you want, create that feeling as if it's already happened, then focus on gratitude and appreciation, which will keep your vibe high. I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, 
please pass it on to someone else so that they can take the first steps into manifesting what they want in their life and to create an incredible and abundant 2020. Now, if you want to learn a little bit more, if anyone else does, just reach out to me through my website, aclearmind.com. So remember, we're doing our Guess the Guest episode number 28. And if you do that, you get a copy of Alistair McCaw's book, Champion Minded. Again, you can email me, Gabe, at aclearmind.com or tag me, tag the guest on Twitter. I don't know if that's the correct wording, but anyway, hit me up on Twitter at GNS Thoughts and use the hashtag CFPOA28. It's like Clarity for Parents of Athletes 28 because it's the 28th episode. And just put in the guest. You can put in the name of the Chicago Bulls player from the 1990s you think is going to be the next guest on the podcast. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Much love to you and many blessings. Blessings.